Hi, everyone. This is Dawn Richard, also known as The Awakening with Dawn. And this is the Wake Up to Real Love podcast, where we share stories of struggles and triumphs in love, sex, and relationships, along with expert advice to create more conscious connections. I am super excited today because this is the third um, podcast of the three-part podcast series with my new friends and colleagues, Martina Hughes and Rod Gordon. Hi, Martina and Rod. Welcome back. Hi, Dawn. Lovely to be here Hello, again. Hello, Dawn. Thank you. <laughs> um, so, Martina, for uh, just as a reminder, um, for the last two sessions. Uh, Martina founded Tantric Blossoming in 2005, and it's now the largest tantric community in Australia. Tantric Blossoming provides experiences for women and men to open their hearts and feel their innate aliveness of their bodies. Martina's heartfelt intention for this work is to empower people to discover, embody, and express their authentic selves. And Rod is a tantric facilitator, embodiment coach, and bodywork practitioner. Rod is dedicated to love, intimacy, and growth and is committed to discovering the blocks that hold us back from the fullest expression of love. This is going to be a super juicy conversation today. I'm really excited. Awesome. I look forward to where you're, you're going to take us today. Yeah, I'm, yeah. I'm, I'm looking forward to these questions. Yeah. <laughs> um, be, before we dive in, though, I have, I have to say a little something about the wildfires in Australia. I just want to, you know... Mm give, send some well wishes and blessings to all the people that have been affected, um, all the land that has been affected and, um, the animals, you know, that, that Mm. somehow we need to send our good energy back to the earth and Mm. healing for everyone. Mm. Yeah. Yeah, Thank you. Yeah. It's, it's quite devastating actually. It's, it's huge. And even if the fires aren't affecting like, and us as Australians, it, there's an impact with people we know uh, just everywhere around us. There's, there's something happening or someone being hurt or impacted by the bushfires. Mm-hmm. Well, so and, thank and, you. Yeah, and that's the thing. I mean, you know, I think a lot of people think, oh, well, that doesn't affect me. I'm on the other side of the world. Mm. But it, it does. Every yeah. little piece of energy affects yeah. the next Right. Definitely. Yeah. And because yeah. it is such a huge impact, it's so heartbreaking. And it's not just what's happening now, it's the long term recovery for the people, the animals, the mm-hmm. land. It's, mm-hmm. it's going to be a massive impact long term as well. Mm-hmm. But I, yeah. I know, I, know uh, I can't remember if you said it, Martina or Rod, but about, you know, a lot of or several other countries sending out their firefighters to help yes. light the fires, you know. So this is one of the beautiful things uh, that can happen within a disaster and trauma is that people rise to the occasion and mm-hmm. I'm getting chill bumps as I'm saying this, you know, that people really show up um, and help, mm-hmm. you know, that yeah. this, this is what we all want to do, help each other and help ourselves. Yeah. Yeah, one of the things that shocked me about them, about the fires specifically themselves, is they're so big and so hot. They're actually creating their own weather. Yeah. So they're actually that. creating storms. Yeah, I just found that to be amazing that the heat rising and the smoke had so much effect. Uh-huh. So, yeah. So, That's blessings to intense. Australia. Mm-hmm. Thank, Thank you. you. 
Yeah. So this, uh, this is actually a perfect segue because it's about the energy of what's going on. And I know that Tantra is, you know, a lot of people think that Tantra is just about sex. And I know that you both know that it's not, it's a whole, um, it's a whole life force, right? Yes. So if you, I want to talk about the multi layers of Tantra because I know it affects you physically, psychologically, emotionally, spiritually, sexually, relationally. So I, I want to, I want to with the two of you to talk about how Tantra affects each aspect of both yourself and within your relationship. So, um, I know, I know last with both of you and your individual interviews, we've really kind of focused on the embodiment of being in the body. So mm-hmm. do you want, so shall we start with the physical aspects of Tantra? Yeah, for sure. I mean, Tantra itself, I mean, in a lot of ways, it's, it's simple as much as it's complex, but it right. really comes down to that awareness of, being more aware, being conscious about who we're being, how we hold our energy, whether we're able to maintain our energy, whether we're dispersing it, what we're putting our energy towards. So it it really boils down to awareness in everything that we do and being able to be aware of how we interact with our own body, our own physicality, but then being, of course, much more aware relationally how that feels when we interact with another how how it feels when we interact and move in our families our communities our societies so at the core of it all there's this awareness which comes back to yeah being connected to oneself Mm -hmm. how do you how do you know when you're not connected to oneself when, when, well, for me personally, when I feel disconnected from myself, there'll be a sense of um, rushing, a sense of dullness in my life, a sense of something missing. So, and I'll be irritable and out of sorts mm-hmm. um, in a way that, yeah, is not natural to who I am. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I think that probably shows up in different ways for different people. How do you feel when you're disconnected? It's an interesting question because I think it shows up differently for everybody. Mm-hmm. For me, specifically, when I feel disconnected, I'll usually be grumpy. That's a like a go-to for me as man. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, and, yeah, the, the rushing, the fast pace, there's a sense of being really up in my head mm-hmm. when I'm disconnected from uh, my body, when I'm disconnected from myself, so to speak. Um, and it, it's kind of it, – the truth is we can never actually be disconnected. So there's a kind of a paradox that exists right. in the question. We're, we're never yeah. not connected. It's just that our – awareness isn't there and when we're not aware of the subtleties that are available to us then that's what for me creates that feeling of disconnection 
But until we slow down enough and resensitize ourselves enough, then we can't actually feel what's available to us. Mm-hmm. And what I mean by that is that, like, life's so, like, our current culture and social structure, everything is very entertaining and, you know, bright lights and the whole intention is to capture our attention. Like, and perfor- so, like performing. Performing. And so I see so much of um, that emulated in people's character in like who we are as humans. Like for me, like I don't get on Facebook. I steer clear of social media because I would use those things as a distraction and they can be used in like conscious ways for sure. But what I find is that the more involved I am in the distractions that are available in life, the less connected I am to myself. Mm-hmm. So when my attention's going out to like in social media, television, uh, drama with friends or relationships or whatever else is out there, then my attention is going somewhere else. It's not free and it's not available to to me and what's going on inside my body. So they're, they're good signs for me of disconnect um, if, if there's a lot of attention, like for people listening to this, if they want to start to cultivate a deeper sense of awareness and feel some of the subtle energies that are available to us is to start to spend a little bit more time away from that and feeling what's available in the body. Like it's really powerful for men to cultivate a sense of stillness and silence, but for women to connect to their emotions and their feelings and to allow that to move through their body. And that's two really powerful ways for people to reconnect. Mm-hmm. Um, we, we talked about that last week, right? Your meditation practice and your body mm-hmm. practice, right? Uh, yes. The meditation and then the movement. So the karate or the dance or, you know, however yeah. you yes. get into your body. So that yeah. sense of presence. Yeah. Yes. Yes. Yeah. And, and that literally means that our attention is available in that moment for whatever's happening, whether it's for us ourselves inside our bodies, for our partners, or say even, you know, available for you on this call. Our attention is here, not thinking about something else out there. Mm-hmm. How do you how do you manage though all of the responsibilities of life while still maintaining this presence in your body? Mm-hmm. I mean, that's where qualities such as receptivity and responsiveness, I find. So I'm with what I'm with in that moment Mm -hmm. and then I can be receptive to other things as my awareness needs to go to those other places. Mm -hmm. So, for example, after speaking with you today, I'll move into, you know, taking the cat to the vet so then my awareness will be in that experience and then I'll move into client sessions so then my awareness will be there. So it's responding to the energy as it's needed and and then being receptive of like, well, what is this moment? What is this situation calling out of me? Does it need me to, you know, get things done in a business-like manner, for example, if I'm doing admin and and other kind of um, business projects or does this situation require more of my heart and my compassion to come forward. So being able to respond and be receptive to the moment. Do you find, I mean, this is the thing. It's like 
it seems so simple and complex, just like you said, <laughs> right? So as you were, as even as you were saying that, Martina, I was like, is this a constant thing that's going on in your head? Or is this just a practice that you just train yourself to, to do? I mean, I say to do, but it's not really about doing. It's about being, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. And I think that's probably a good way to describe it. It's training yourself in a way to be, a way to live. And when we do that, new things become available to us. And like you said, the simplicity, like I don't know how many times people told me to like how to breathe. Like I remember thinking at one point, if one more person tells me how, yeah, if one more person tells me how to fucking breathe, I'm going to lose my shit. It's like I'm doing it. I'm going to give them a karate chop. That's right. It's like I know how to breathe. I'm here. And years later, I'm teaching people how to breathe. Like, and like the depth of our breath makes so much difference. And I think we touched on that in our call mm-hmm. like last week, but also like, like your question about how does it impact general life? Like for me, it makes general life easier because I have more attention available to process whatever's happening in the moment to be available to, to feel what needs to come forward in the moment. Like what does this person need from me? Like if my partner's upset or she's stressed or there's something wrong, you know, so even with the cat going to the vet, my attention's free to be with what's happening in the moment so I can give everything that I've got to give to that moment to whatever it's whatever is needed. Mm-hmm. And for me, that makes living life easier, not harder. Um, and the simplicity of it's overwhelming. Like if you, it's literally learning to slow down, learning to feel more deeply and to be more present. But the more we do that, the more we tune into our own bodies and feel what's actually available to us. But then we can, like for me, the more I can feel in my own body, the more I can feel in another human's body, the more I can feel in the space around me, the more I can feel... I've had crazy experiences of like when I was in LA, I was going for a walk and I was walking past this hedge and I was doing a walking meditation. I'd been down to get one of those cooler size smoothie bowls. And <laughs> as I was walking along doing my meditation, I walked past the hedge and there was a different plant there. And I was like, oh my God, that feels totally different. So I walked back and I could feel the different feeling that was or qualities that were coming off the hedge versus the plant there. But because I'd slowed down enough inside, I was my attention was available to feel the subtlety of the difference between the two plants. It's like smelling two different scents but mm-hmm. feeling two different feelings. Does that make sense? It makes sense, but I, I'm, I'm imagining that a lot of people are going to go, that's really way out there, Rod. <laughs> wow. Okay. <laughs> I'm going to pull right back because that's the start. <laughs> no, I mean, I mean, I, I get it, but a lot of yeah, people yeah. don't. And so, you know, I think, yeah. I think this is the thing that people are so busy, right? Yeah. They're so busy doing, going on to the next thing, thinking about mm-hmm. what's next, thinking about what was, you know, what was that to really, you know, and, and we, we all talked about this last week, um, 
about really slowing down and being mm-hmm. present. And, you know, because we're afraid to feel our feelings, because we're mm-hmm. afraid of what might be or what might not be. And mm-hmm. so, you know, how, how do you, it's like going back to this childlike state of only being in the moment. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Right? Totally. And, yeah. and that's where I think, you know, even to, to, to make Rod's um, example of the, the hedge and the plant a little more perhaps obvious for people, it's like when... If, Less crazy. <laughs> Sorry. I didn't mean crazy. I meant more like sort of woo, you know, like it's... Yeah, yeah. I mean kind of woo. But, but it's like we have those responses to people. Like if we, uh-huh. if we drop out... If we drop the judgments and the stories our mind has about people, uh-huh. there are some people that I might, let's say even if I was on a train, I could sit on a train beside somebody and it feels good, easy, relaxing, and I might uh-huh. not even have a conversation, but it's easy to sit beside that person. Uh-huh. I could sit beside a different person on the train and go, oh, something's not right here, something feels uncomfortable. Mm. So it's that sense that, Every living thing, person, plant, animal, has its own energy uh-huh. and that's not about things being good or bad or right or wrong, but right. each my energy will interact differently with other people's energies compared to how your energy will interact with people's compared to how Rod's energy will interact. So it's like there's a frequency created between two beings. Mm-hmm. And that's unique to everyone. And I think often children are really in tune with that, but often get conditioned out of it because it's like, of yeah. course you've got to go and give Uncle Joe a hug. Of course you've got to, you know, kiss Auntie Sue when you see her, like all right. of that. That doesn't happen so much now, but definitely when I was young, um, that kind of, you know, needing to be polite to adults mm-hmm. means that it gets conditioned out of kids, that instinctive responsiveness of how their energy relates to others. Yeah, I, I think that that's super, super important because I feel like a lot of us and, and myself in general, you know, I would, I would have these circumstances where I would think, am I just being judgmental mm-hmm. or am I just being sensitive and really honoring what this feels like for me. And, you know, this is something that I've told, I've tried to tell my kids, like, you know, I can say, oh, I feel okay about this person or about this situation, but you may have a completely different experience of this. Mm -hmm. And this is, I think this is the tricky part when you're in a partnership because you, you both have your different frequencies. And so how do you, you know, sort of come together as witnessing what the other person's experience is versus your own experience. Mm. I, I, I think that's, yeah, that sort of touches on something that's really interesting about like what we do in terms of that, like in a love and intimate relationship, people often have things they want from the the other person that they think they need to get or feel. And so one of the things that we actually work with people on is like, how do you be the kind of person that would inspire or evoke that from another person? So one way of, of meeting that demand 
of love and intimacy and relationship is like, who do I need to be and how do I need to show up to this moment to inspire those qualities out of my partner? Does that make sense? That's a beautiful so, question. Can you repeat that, please? <laughs> I don't tend to speak from my head but from my gut, so it won't be the same. But, no, but what it looks fine. like is there's like if I want more, you know, love and affection from my partner or my relation, you know, in my relationship. You can say Martina. Yeah, Martina, yeah, sure. <laughs> I'm just trying not to make it, you know, anyone specific. But it's like, who, what kind of man do I need to be? How do I need to show up to inspire that out of her? How do I need to love her? and Or how can I love her in a way that would evoke from her the, you know, the touch, the quality or the affection rather than, demanding it, saying I need it or having a sense of like I have the right to have affection in my relationship or any of these types mm-hmm. of thought patterns. It's like, mm-hmm. okay, if there's something missing, how do I inspire that? And then it's giving that love, giving that attention, giving, you know, whatever is needed to the moment and then seeing. Sometimes that will come and sometimes it won't and it needs to be a sense of that it's okay either way. You can't force someone into love or intimacy. So it's a... It's loving that person, loving that person doesn't, despite whatever's arising, it's having equanimity with what's available. It's like, I love this person and I want to be with this person. And if that isn't available right now, I'll wait till it is and I'll just keep loving them until it is. And what, what about, uh, I'll, I'll give you, for instance, from my own circumstance. I mean, I'm a very affectionate person and my ex was not. And this was something that we would, you know, have lots of conflict about because I would say, you know, I would really love it if you would hug me in the morning and at night when you came home from work and, you know, before we went to bed and, you know, or just touch me or grab my hand sometime, you know, like I want to feel this is how I feel connected to you. Mm -hmm. And for some reason, it you just wouldn't. And so yeah. how, you know, this is, this is the tricky part of the relationship is, you know, how do you honor your own, how do you speak, you know, and say, this is what I would like in my relationship. And this is what I want to evoke. And how, I mean, how do you, how do you navigate sort of the balance between saying what works for you and and if the other person says, this doesn't work for me, I mean, how, how do you do that? Great question. Yeah. Um, like for me, firstly, like in, you know, sacred intimacy or in, you know, in a relationship like what Martina and have, like we're both committed to, to loving each other. Mm-hmm. And what you alluded to before when you were talking about the kids in life is curiosity, mm-hmm. having curiosity about, my partner, being curious about what does she need? How does she like to be loved? Like what does being loved mean to her? Mm. And so having a willingness to be curious uh, about my partner is a, is a great way to start. Um, what you share about your partner, like if a woman comes to a man and gives, her, uh, gives him, sorry, that list of I want to be hugged in the morning when I woke up, uh, you know, before you go to work, when you get back from work and before we go to bed, it lands 
like in the male nervous system as a list of chores that he has to do. And you'll get mm-hmm. something like a, okay, yep, hug, done, ready, I did it, like kind of attitude if you get uh-huh. something because it's landing like a list of demands. And it's okay to have a, a list of things and ways that you want to, want to be loved. But I'd be curious as to where in his life was affection shut down? Where did he learn that it's not okay to give affection? Mm-hmm. And what's his discomfort? around giving affection? Where is he hurting? What What's the pain in his life that's stopping him from being able to give and receive like love through affection and touch mm-hmm. and start diving into the root of it rather than the, the demand at the end? Does that make sense? No, then, it, it makes sense. Yeah, and then starting to love and nurture that part and having compassion for the part of him that was like I know as a young boy, like it's sort of, faded out in my time and I didn't have this with my dad but emotions were very shut down mm-hmm. and it's not okay to feel and so a large part of feeling and connection is touch it stirs and evokes emotion within us and if men aren't allowed to feel then how can they touch and experience emotion like shutting down a man's capacity to express emotion shuts down emotion affection across the board mm-hmm. it's not just like are oh, you not allowed to cry that's the tip of the iceberg but it's shutting down emotion across the board, across the range, his capacity to give love, his capacity to receive love, his capacity to be in a relationship or a connection with an intimate partner has been absolutely, like, sabotaged from the word go. And he's cultivated the, he's spent his life cultivating the skills to not connect to emotion. So then asking him to connect to emotion uh, in a relationship there's been no training or practice for that for the duration of his life. So however old the man is, if say he's 40 years old, for 40 years he's practiced to not express or show emotion. Mm -hmm. Now our Olympians only trained for four years to get to an Olympic event. Well, they've probably trained all their lives, but they're practicing, 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 practicing all the time. So if if you practice to not experience emotion for 40 years, it's going to be deeply embedded in the psyche, in the body, in our whole being. So it's not something that can just be turned around by asking for affection. There needs to be a level of awareness about where does this come from? Mm-hmm. Why is it there? And how do I love this man in a way that will support that to unravel and unfold and his love and his expression can actually come forward and then there has to be space for that in the relationship so it's it's a big big journey it's a big journey i i think martina do you do you feel that this is pretty typical of men or the masculine should i Um, i i i guess what's important i just wanted to pick up on something rod said there's um, it's important that women don't start trying to fix the men in their lives. Right. Um, so for me, the that experience of, like Rod mentioned, seeing where a man's pain and shutdown comes from, mm-hmm. there's two ways to approach that. And some the, the kind of the masculine part of a woman, which is often leading the way for a lot of women today, um, the masculine part of a woman will try and go in there and fix a man because I know I certainly have done my fair share of that in my life and yeah. it doesn't work. Um, 
what I've been more aware of in more recent years is allowing myself to be love and to offer love without demand. So the, the thing that is, can be deeply healing for a man is to receive and experience a woman who's simply being love and offering love without demand, without so, demand. So what does that look like? What does that look like? Um, so, for example, when Rod and I were first together, I would touch his arm and, and I could feel him just like nothing was happening. Mm. It's like I'd touch his chest, nothing was happening. Um, and I was aware that that was the part of Rod that had learned to, to protect himself. His armour. I was just thinking yes. armour. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And and I, I mentioned it to him, but I didn't, like, try and fix it or go down that hole with him. In, instead, I just, like, kept offering him love, kept offering him love through touch, through my beingness. He, he was, you know, incredibly sexually responsive. So then even truly, truly loving and accepting and appreciating and, you know, honouring him sexually started to heal and open other parts. It's like that became part of the healing pathway for Rod was this sense of being sexually loved and sexually accepted. So it's like, you know, um, supporting the part where there was connection flowing so that then more openness could happen in the body. Now Rod's entire body is very sensitive and aware and connected to touch in any moment. Mm-hmm. Um, and that's because of the, the love that we've shared and exchanged during our relationship. So just to go back to your question of what's, Typical for men, I think every man and and every masculine energy is very, very different. A lot of men end up protecting themselves because they've felt emotionally, um, emotionally manipulated or emotionally controlled by women. Mm -hmm. Because women, we're so expressive with our emotions, we have much more permission around our emotions. Men haven't had that. But often a woman will meet a man and she'll be like, tell me how you feel. I want to know how you feel about this and how, how was it growing up for you. And how, t- t- tell me how you feel about, you know, your divorce and tell me how you feel about being a father, you know. And, and women, because we love talking about feelings and emotions, we can get really, you know, um, passionate and inspired by it. And a man's like, I don't know if I'm safe with you. I don't know if I'm safe with you. You know, a man Uh will be like pulling his heart away. Mm -hmm. So the more a woman relaxes and simply is love in her own body, she comes back to that place of being love, sharing her own feelings, and then a man can go, oh, okay, this woman's just... She seems to have a steady relationship to communicating and being with her own feelings. Maybe it's safe for me to open my heart and express my feelings more fully. Mm-hmm. And, of course, that's 
that's not going to happen all the time. Sometimes people simply are incompatible and I think it's important for people to recognise that sometimes a relationship will work and sometimes it won't mm-hmm. because I think a lot of people or women have this tendency to to keep trying to make the relationship work, make it work, make it work, mm-hmm. make it work mm-hmm. and holding on to hope when sometimes falling back for a woman to fall back into herself and letting the truth of the situation reveal itself is much more empowering than her being over-invested, over-giving, over-trying. Mm-hmm. And, Rod, you are shaking your head like crazy. <laughs> When she was talking about, how do you feel? Tell me about, you're like, oh, no, I don't want any of those questions. Yeah, I don't. Yeah. Um, there's what, like, it, it, what am I experiencing? Is that what you're going to ask me? No, just what what is it like for a man to to sort of feel that? I mean, it's sort of like badgering, right? That onslaught. <laughs> it, it, it feels like being violated. Huh. Like a man's heart is actually very, very sensitive. And you can actually see that if you watch little children. Little boys are usually highly sensitive. And so there is a part of men that is highly sensitive and it's particularly around the heart. And that's where he'll have most of his armour and closure and protection built up over the years because that the heart is such a sensitive space for a man. But, yeah, violation is how it feels. It feels, yeah, there's so many ways to describe this and I'm trying not to use the ones I know best. But <laughs> You can use the ones you know best. I don't care. <laughs> yeah. Martina actually did a video about this. So I might let her speak to it because of the sensitivity of the conversation, but I think this would get it across to the viewers the best if you talk mm. about the fingers in too early yeah. video. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah. This is this is probably the most uh, descriptive way of how it feels like in my heart, in my body, uh, when a woman comes at me with that is the uh, violation is the word that comes. Yeah, there's no sense of seeing me, who I am, what I need, how I feel, who I am in that moment. There's just a sense of like, what can I get from you? It's like trying mm-hmm. to have something yanked out of me and it hurts. Uh-huh. But, um, go, go, ahead, Martina. go ahead, Martina. I watched this and it's very, very true. Yeah, yeah. Well, I mean, my experience with men has been the, the men who look and present and appear the toughest often have like the most sensitive, beautiful, deep, and and compassionate hearts it's just mm-hmm. that the tough exterior is in order to protect that sensitivity of the heart mm-hmm. and so in in tantra we recognize that in a woman's body the vagina is the negative polarity so that's where we receive energy the heart is the positive polarity that's where we generate and direct energy mm-hmm. in a man's body his heart is the negative polarity, so that's where he receives energy, and his penis is the positive polarity, so it's where he's directing energy from. Mm-hmm. So negative and positive in this context are not not good and bad, but right. like like the poles of a magnet, different right. charges right. of energy. 
And so this is even represented in the physicality of our bodies. Like women have breasts at the heart area. So it's like that positive charge coming Boom. out. Out. Uh-huh. Yeah. Men's genitalia are external. So again, the charge coming out. Woman's genitalia, internal energy coming in. Coming in. Uh-huh. So then if if a woman considers the sensitivity of her vagina, the way she wants to be opened, to be loved, to be touched, to be cherished and to, to be open at the heart before her vagina opens. Mm. You know, the vagina will not open if a man walks up and goes, hey, honey, how about some sex and sticks his fingers in your vagina. Yeah. It's, it's violation. Yeah. It's not okay. Yeah. And, and so for a man's heart, we need to remember that a man's heart is the equivalent of a woman's vagina in terms of sensitivity, in terms of receptivity, in terms of being with another person's energy. Mm-hmm. So when a woman goes into that um, impassioned driving, like, how do you feel? What's going on for you? Tell me all about this. Tell me all about that. It's like she is sticking her fingers in too soon. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> and that's too much for a man. And and this is why this is why a lot of women end up believing that men are unfeeling. But it's not that men are unfeeling. Men need to feel emotionally safe with a woman before they open their heart. Mm-hmm. And it's it's sad because it starts for men when they're young boys and they learn that in order to win their mother's love and affection, they need to do certain things. They need to behave a certain way. So then when they start moving into relationships with women, that dynamic is already set up of, oh, I need to please her to get the love, affection, intimacy that I desire. I need to be a good man. I need to do the right thing. So a lot of men have switched off from even listening to their own instincts and desires because they've been taught from such a young age, I need to please her first, whoever her might be, in order to get the love and affection that I desire and need. Mm -hmm. And so I've seen a lot of men who kind of almost pretzel themselves when they go into new relationships, trying to be everything that the woman wants them to be. But, of course, the the shine goes off the relationship for both of them really quickly because a woman's not attracted to a man who's flat out trying to please her. Mm-hmm. And the man doesn't feel very attractive himself when he's in that mode. So all of his attempts to be what she wants generally leads to, in the longer term, will lead to less sex, less affection, less connection. Mm-hmm. He needs to discover who he is at his core rather than how to please her. Rod, what do you think it takes for a man to, or to drop his armor? You know, like, because it's not about a woman prodding, you know, like when does a man feel safe enough to just start expressing what's really going on internally for him? You know, when does he recognize that the woman feels safe enough for him to share who he really is rather than, 
you know, that protection. I think that point, like, has to come in a relationship consciously between two people having a conversation about it. It needs to be, it can't be done unconsciously. So without awareness, it can't just like happen. Uh-huh. Uh, um, and, and, and this is the tricky bit. Like a man could always find an excuse to not love, to not show up. It's like, oh, run away. You know, you, yeah. You, acted angrily before so I can't be vulnerable anymore I'm going to shut down so there's he has to be willing to find a reason to open his heart he has to find reasons to like physically think of reasons of why he should let her in why he should express himself why he should try and peel off these layers uh, of armor that are actually there so it's, I think the first step is for him to be aware that that's happened and evolved throughout his life without him being aware. So that's what I would call something that's cultivated and learned without awareness is what I would call an unconscious behavior. So there'll be lots of stuff that's happening that he's not aware of. So the first step is cultivating a willingness to be curious mm-hmm. about what he can't see that might be actually there. So listening to his partner, so his partner would might share feedback at different times lovingly without demand as like Martina expressed before. So that might look like, I feel like you're closed off to me right now and you're unavailable. I feel this protection coming up and I love you and, and that's okay. I just wanted to share that. And just allowing that to be, allowing him to rest with that information and giving him time to process that. Like men process way slower than women if you've been exercising your capacity as a woman to feel, it's been happening since childbirth. He might have just started a few years ago. So he's got a long way to go to learn how to, to process effectively. And I'm talking it could take days to, to unravel. Like something like that might take a week for him to process to go, yeah, yeah, last week off. <laughs> I was protected. I was keeping you at arm's length. So, and I'm, yeah, I'm sorry about that, but it could take that long. And Martina's like, yeah, I know I've been sitting on that for the whole week. <laughs> yeah. And, but it takes that love and that compassion and that allowing of space for a woman to allow a man to have his process. And then she needs to trust that over time his capacity will get better. And if he's committed to that, he will. And so, you know, a year down the track, he might be down to one or two days or three days. I don't want to put the pressure on him. But, you know, eventually it'll be minutes or seconds. So, mm-hmm. But it takes time and it takes awareness that, ah, oh, you know, he's going through something that needs to be unraveled. It's a lifetime journey. So that would be the first step is, you know, both becoming aware that there's something there to unprotect and then to be willing to trust and look for reasons to allow that to peel away rather than to look for reasons not to. Because whatever you look for, you're going to find it. It doesn't matter. It'll pop up sooner or later. So it's kind of like if you're looking for (laughs) reasons that are going to encourage and support the relationship, it'll change. It'll grow. It'll build the capacities will build. If you're looking for reasons to hide, you'll find them. 
and you'll hide and you'll shrink and contract and get smaller and smaller. So it's very much um, a conscious choice is the best place to start that kind of process. Do you do you think a lot of men are afraid of losing their sense of freedom? Fuck yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you for your honesty. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, freedom's an interesting one for, for men. And if you inquire deeply, you'll find it resting under almost all aspects of men's choice making. And mm-hmm. It's in almost every part of their life is the desire to experience freedom. But it's very much in terms of like masculine and feminine, the masculine experience of love, one way of experiencing that is through freedom. And that pops up in society everywhere. And it's it's really interesting. But yeah, men definitely afraid of losing their freedom. Well, and I and I think Martina, and you can speak to this. Like men are afraid of losing their freedom. I feel like women are afraid of losing their connection. Totally, totally. Yeah, Yeah, that's probably more accurate than you realize. But yeah, yeah. Yeah. No, I, I, I know. I, I feel like that's. I feel like this goes back to the Garden of Eden, (laughs) where, where the the disconnection. (laughs) Mm -hmm. uh, You know, like like Adam lost his freedom and Eve lost her connection, and so. This is this is the work that we are here to do is to restore that for ourselves and for each other. Yeah. And and I think also part of that journey is understanding like we see this in, in the men that we work with. It's like freedom uh, on on some level it can be, you know, like freedom to do whatever one wants whenever one wants. But then as a man matures, he starts to recognise that that freedom can come from who he's being on the inside and that he doesn't have to push away from commitments in order to feel free. So, and a woman can support a man with that in a loving relationship by, you know, I'm, I know that if I get into directive mode with Rod, he feels trapped. He doesn't feel free. Mm -hmm. But by loving him and being generous with my love, being accepting of him and communicating from how I feel, then he gets to feel more free. Equally, from a woman's perspective, our desires for connection, sometimes we will grab at at, um, any form of connection. Yeah, like like pulling towards you. Yeah, gossip, shallow connection, you know, drama, things to just fill our lives up. But on some level, those shallow connections will end up not satiating a woman. Mm-hmm. Whereas when, when we truly understand that love begins inside of ourselves, connection begins inside of ourselves, and we start being love from the inside, then everything changes because when we're being love, we naturally offer love to others and then attract more quality love into our lives. And so how, how does, how does that emotive um, process help you feel connected to Rod when he's wanting his freedom? Because if we look at, 
love connection and freedom as external factors we'll start to look at uh, a man needs freedom to do whatever he wants in a relationship but a woman needs a man there for connection but those will never truly satisfy or satiate those internal demands Mm -hmm. like a man has to discover freedom inside he has to be free and that means part of that is learning for his attention to be free so we talked about presence before it's part of that is is attention being free so free feeling attention is probably the best way to describe presence and what that means like the freedom is something that comes from within he has to connect to and it's the same for a woman like Martina said being love another way for me to say that it's to allow love to move through you so then the woman is actually connected to love so the connection becomes that rather than the connection to the man that's really way smaller connection than actually connecting to the feeling of love moving through you and it's the Mm -hmm. same for a man he needs to learn to find that freedom within and to connect to that to be freedom because if we're talking in terms of masculine and feminine that's not men and women i'm not talking about gender i'm talking about qualities of masculine and feminine which we haven't sort of defined in any of these conversations but uh you know the masculine experience of love is freedom and so connecting you know to that masculine part of me man or woman both need to connect to that sense of freedom is that's a very internal process and meditation is a great way to get there but um the perception that a man's trapped it's not real it's not true like and like for me the more i've committed to my relationship with martina the freer i've felt and so that's a, that's like, quite a paradox <laughs> that's the first thing that I would teach a man coming into men's work is to understand the concept of paradox. If you want to do anything with women, you need to understand paradox. Mm-hmm. But the truth is for me that I feel freer in my relationship than I did when I'm single. Does that land? Can you understand that? It, it completely lands, but can you explain yeah. it to our listeners, please? <sighs> God, what are you doing for the rest of the day? <laughs> um, I know we might have to have several of these conversations. <laughs> yeah, like it is a paradox, but how do I best to describe this? I feel freer in my relationship being committed to it because I'm. Being all in, there's a sense of that all my love, all my presence is in this relationship, that all Martina's love, all her presence is in this relationship. So within that, there's a sense of like I am set free by, it's almost like the commitment actually set me free. It was I, I remember specifically the moment I decided I'm dedicating my life inside this relationship to loving you and opening your heart. Like I remember I was actually sitting on the clifftops at Santa Monica wow. <laughs> when I made this decision <laughs> wow. after doing a workshop with some teachers in the States. And ever since that moment, like I got freer in our relationship. So the, the perception of being trapped, it's like our field of vision is so narrow at that point. And uh-huh. it's once I was fully committed to the relationship that opened something in Martina 
So there was like more love, more spaciousness in the relationship coming back at me. It was like the more deeply I committed, the more love I offered, the more I got back. Mm-hmm. So I don't have any sense of being trapped in my relationship at all. In fact, I had the exact opposite. Sometimes it's confusing. It's like, I don't really know what to do right now. I can do whatever I want. So there is that feeling there. But I think too, like part of what happens in a relationship, there's there's a, what feels like, like a demand from women towards men. And mm-hmm. what that demand is, it's the loving demand for his conscious presence. That's what she wants to feel, to feel mm-hmm. that loving connection. And so when a man shows up fully present to the relationship, there's a sense of that, that, that commitment, that connection, that's made. It's there. She feels that. So then there's a sense of like, well, I don't need to grab for anything from this man. Right. It's already there. Right. So it's kind of like that's where the freedom comes from. But you're not going to get that from a woman until you commit to her fully. And it's not something you can say. It's something you have to live. When she feels that, something in her will let go. But, you know, we also do like a daily practice of eye gazing for 10 minutes, which one of my teachers taught me in the States. And, what I've realized is like through that practice of just deep loving presence and connection, like when we'll eye gaze, we'll breathe together. So there's all specific things that we're doing that cultivate connection. Something's unlocked in that loving demand. Like it's almost like the desire for connection can be met in that moment and everything else for the rest of the day is kind of like bonus time. Mm-hmm. So it's more love, more connection, like, and it's only 10 minutes. Like, it's a really short amount of time. But in that time. Depending on your perspective. <laughs> we talked about that, Martina. <laughs> yes, yeah. Dawn and I spoke about the eye gazing uh, and how challenging even one minute of eye gazing can be for some people. Yeah, right. Okay. Yeah. I forgot about that. <laughs> I've always enjoyed eye gazing. So, um <laughs> Yeah, I guess it could be, yeah. But so when I guess that's probably the best way that I can answer it in terms of that experience of freedom. Um, but there's something that happens like in like a woman is incredibly intuitive. She's an incredibly powerful being and men don't recognize the value of women in their life and what they can bring. But her her emotions, her intuition, her feeling capacity will often bring more freedom to me than um, sense of being trapped because she's so committed to like me being the best version of me as a man. And part of that requires me to feel, you know, happy, fulfilled, excited, passionate about life. And so she wants to call that out of me. And so she could be, mm, have you thought about you know, looking into this or doing this or doing that or researching this or researching that? And so you know, with the idea not for her to get something, but for for me for to you. experience more. So then that inspires me as a man. Like she becomes way more valuable now because it's like, shit, I would never have found this myself and I would never have been this version of a man without her. And I don't know, like for me as a man, um, the men I've worked with have all had a sense of this, but there's often a fantasy as a child, a young boy, of being like a superhero or the best version of a man that we can be like there's mm-hmm. this dream you know and so uh, we will never find that on our own it's highly unlikely that that will ever happen and so but when you're with a woman who loves you in this way 
and opens that up, that opens up all those possibilities because she's constantly calling for my presence, calling for my love. And that inspires me to be a better version of me as a man, which means I end up way happier with me when I look in the mirror than I would have if I hadn't met her. So well, I, does that sort of cover it a yeah, little bit? Yeah, when, when you were talking about, you know, experiencing full freedom, I feel like a huge part of that is just being your authentic self. Like, bec- because when you show up fully free, you're free to say and to do and to be and to experience in the way that's unique for you. And, you know, as Martina, um, you know, allows you, <laughs> allows you that freedom, it's like that, it's that cycle, right? Mm. So, so she inspires and evokes that in you, and then you can yeah. show up and say, well, I'm not trapped because she's just, look at all she's offering me. She's yeah. offering me to explore. Yeah. Yeah. And how that comes back out of me is I'm more devoted to her, the desire to worship her, to love her, to honor her, respect her, cherish her comes forward like in my body. Like as a man, it evokes that from me. It brings forward that part of me. It's just like you're the most important thing in the world and I'm going to do everything to love, honor and protect you. So I'm going to show up. And so that inspires me again to love her in the way that she's always wanted to be loved. But to feel that, we do have to start with our connection to ourselves. Even then, like this is freedom experienced in the relationship, but that's not something that can just be created without connecting to that within our own bodies first. Mm -hmm. So this can only come into the relationship because it's come in my body. It's coming through my body. Does that make sense? Like I can't give anything of myself or inside myself until I find it I could go and repeat all these words and talk about these ideas and principles and concepts and it will never be embodied it will never come into the relationship until I can live it until I can practice it until I can claim that within my own body and there's no infrastructure for teaching this in our culture inside of our normal social norms unless you reach out and look for you know a sexuality or relationship teacher you are not going to learn this stuff whereas if should be taught in schools. Mm-hmm. I know somebody who's going to write a book about it. <laughs> and so until people go out and learn this stuff, you can't make it conscious, can't bring it into a relationship. So it's absolutely imperative to seek out quality teachers that can actually teach this stuff because otherwise, yeah, otherwise it's just all kept under the radar. It's not in the social norm. Yeah. That's that's why Just, we're having these conversations, Rod. Exactly. They yeah. need to be had. Yeah. Yeah. So Martina, when Rod was talking about, you know, what a woman um, wants or how a woman, you know, needs to be in order to evoke these things from a man, mm-hmm. I wanted to ask you the same. How does a man need to show up in order to evoke what a woman needs? How does a man show I feel like Rod answered that. Did, I think she wants a woman's perspective. Uh-huh. Uh, so, or experience, so, right, perhaps. Okay. Do you want more? Uh, I think I've got one here. Okay. Thank you. Um, yeah, so for me, in terms of how Rod shows up in our relationship to evoke that in me, and it's 
of course it's twofold because if that's not alive in me, first right. of all, then, then right. Rod can't avoid right. that. So, we know that it all begins with ourselves. Yes, yes. And one of the most common complaints I hear from women, and I've been guilty of this myself, is this complaint that he doesn't see me. Mm-hmm. And a man could turn himself inside out to try and see a woman but if she's not seeing and feeling herself, that part still won't be satiated. Mm-hmm. So, and, and I will still have days when I'm, you know, disconnected and down in the dumps and I'll be like, Rod doesn't get me, he doesn't see me. And then, you know, I'll go and do my own practices and then all of a sudden the next time I see Rod, it's like, there's like magic and sparks in the air and it's like, oh, I connected back to me mm-hmm. and then the flow, the energy, the aliveness came back between us. Mm-hmm. So there's that aspect, so very much holding the space where each person like is responsible for their own internal experience. In terms of what Rod brings, the more, the more present Rod is with me, the more a man is able to offer his loving presence Again, without demand, that sense of I'm here, I'm feeling you, I see you, I get you, that kind of loving presence without demand has my heart, my body, everything light up. Like after Rod Rod spoke about that um, time where he made the commitment to our relationship and when I felt that commitment and that kind of presence and devotion in him but there was a part that was terrified it's like really can I trust this can I trust this and, and, I, and I might have taken half a step back for a minute or two to you, you may have needed you may have needed a week to process that too <laughs> <laughs> yeah and, and because it you know on some level when when somebody offers the very thing that I've been craving, there's a part of my conditioning that has me go, I don't know if I can trust this. I'm scared. So I needed, I'm yeah, scared. I, need, I needed to be able to process that. Uh-huh. But then once once I felt the, the stability in, in where Rod was coming from, it's like feeling that stability, like, oh, he means it. He didn't just say it today and change his mind tomorrow. He still means it the mm-hmm. next day and the next day mm-hmm. and the next week. So knowing that he was consistent and committed and that he wasn't um, running away or running away, no, he's like he's made this commitment and he's really made it and it, there's stability there, then, then I could ah, relax and open and then fully allow in his presence, fully allow in the gift of his devotion and love and his you know, everything that he wanted to offer to me, then letting it in so that my heart could melt, my body could soften. There was a lot more space and love and, yeah, real flow through my body knowing that, yeah, oh, he's there. He's there and he's not going anywhere. 
when you were talking about that, I was just envisioning that tree analogy that you gave, you know, that he's standing firm and that you experience because he's standing firm that you can spread your roots, you know, more stably, more securely. And because of that structure that then you can expand in the same way. Yeah. Yeah, it's like the branches, the flowers. It's like uh-huh. there's a full blossoming that can happen because my feminine's like, ah, I can rest mm-hmm. into what this man is offering. I can rest into that solid base offered by this trunk. Yeah, it's um, wow. I want <laughs> I want a lot of that. <laughs> I want a lot of that. I mean, when Rod, when you were talking, I mean, you couldn't see Martina, but the way that she was looking at you was the sweetest, like, Uh, it was really sweet. You know, I know it was really sweet and beautiful. And, um, I mean, this, this is the gift that you give each other, right? Mm -hmm. Uh, So how, I want to know how this all translates. Okay. Because we've sort of talked about your, physicality and your emotionality and um, a little bit of the intellect sort of getting out of your mind, right? And back into your body and your emotions. So I want to know how this affects your um, spirituality and Mm. your sexuality. And Mm. you can talk about, because I know they're, they're intermingled and merged as well. Mm -hmm. So can you speak, speak to those? I will, yeah, but before we do, before we move off the topic, there's one thing that I think we didn't touch on that sort of goes under the radar quite a lot. Okay. Um, quite a lot of often I hear in men's tone and things they talk about that there's not a lot of value of a relationship in their life or a woman mm-hmm. in their life that shows mm-hmm. up a lot. And I think one of the reasons for that is a man's heart being closed down and protected, like, Yes, it protects him from what he doesn't want to experience or feelings he doesn't want to feel, but it also protects him from the nourishment that a woman can bring to his life. And there's there's something about, you know, and like I know in my perspective of relationship for a long time, relationship was something that I offered a woman. It wasn't something that I got something out of. Mm-hmm. Uh, like, you know, there wasn't like a feeling of reciprocal exchange. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and so... In that, I think an important part of the conversation is like in that receptivity of a man's heart is within that lies part of the keys in unraveling that is he learns to be nourished by his mm-hmm. woman's love mm-hmm. and fed, which gives a lot more um, energy, uh, excitement, inspiration, pleasure, like mm-hmm. in a man's life. I don't know if you've, I call it the vacuum cleaner up the bum look, There's, but a lot of guys kind of look dead like someone stuck a vacuum cleaner up their bum and just sucked the life out of them. This is just like, yeah, they're just like, they're not, they're not enjoying life at all. They kind yeah. of look dead. And yeah. so part of that dead look is a good sign that a man's heart is closed, that he's not receiving that nourishment from life, love, intimacy, relationship, sex. If there's no capacity to receive, he's not going to be nourished by anything. And like Martina touched on, you know, touching my arm and my chest and there was nothing happening. There wasn't just nothing happening. I didn't enjoy it. Like I didn't like it. It was like a sense mm-hmm. of like, oh, don't touch me. I was like, mm-hmm. see, like I didn't want to be touched. But the reason I didn't want to be touched is I didn't know how to 
receive that. Receive, yeah. Yeah, and I didn't know there was anything to receive in that touch, whereas now there's a sense of through that touch I feel recharged, rejuvenated, revitalised. There's a, there's a nourishing quality to a woman's love and learning to be nourished by that is a really, really powerful thing for a man to experience in a relationship and it certainly will elevate the um, value of relationship and connection in his life. And I think it's just an important thing to touch on because quite often men will be like, oh, relationship, shit, we have to talk about this. Mm-hmm. And so there is a lot of value in it for a man and part of that is learning to break down that barrier to receiving love. And I know for me when I sort of started taking that journey and unraveling, I could see that right through childhood, even as an infant, I've pushed that away to protect myself from that sense of having love sucked out of me throughout my life. So there's like that loving demand when it's unconscious is experienced like when someone's not aware that they want love from someone, they'll suck it out of that person Mm -hmm. um, through questions and comments and asking them the way they interact with that person, that being. So it's like I don't know if you've ever been around a person and walked away feeling completely drained from being with that person. Yeah, it's called energy suckers. All right, so that experience of having love sucked out of me as a man is very different to, say, walking away from a conversation with someone where you feel enlivened and alive and full of energy and inspiration. Yeah. Okay, so that's the difference that I mean. And so experiencing that within the container of the relationship and learning how to receive, and that's not an easy journey and it certainly took me a while and I feel like in lots of ways I'm still doing it. So. Um, I don't feel like any of these things have any sense of doneness to them. No, it's, 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 a, a really, it's an ongoing journey always. It's an ongoing journey and I just feel like that's a really important part for men to come into relationship with is learning how to receive love. And until we do that as men, we will not get the value out of relationship that we want or that women would ideally love men too. But when we can come into that relationship to to receiving love, then all of a sudden um, that changes the dynamic. When a woman's constantly offering a man love and it's not being received, that hurts. To give you love and just have it land nowhere Mm -hmm. hurts. And so there's also there's no chance of success in the relationship if if what we're offering is never being received. And so once we learn how to receive, then we can begin to start to dial in love and fine-tune it to giving and receiving in ways that the other person can give and receive. Well, and I and I feel like everything that you just talked about, I feel like th- that um, men or the masculine in general have only been conditioned to receive love sexually. So that's why there have been so many... Um, I I say this, that, you know, I feel like a lot of times um, sex for men is the way to get their touch needs met, to get their nurturing, to get their comforting and loving in ways that that are more socially acceptable. So that's why it is so important for men to learn how to receive outside the bedroom so that once you transfer into the bedroom, then there's a whole nother, you know, level of uh, receptivity and openness and vulnerability and, um, you know, both giving and receiving. 
Mm. Yeah, I definitely agree with that. And I know you're going to speak to that. Mm. I think when it's the only way a man can receive and experience and give his love, then there becomes a neediness attached to that and need for sex. Right. Whereas Martina touched on before about the positive and negative polarities of the giving, you know, and receptive parts of ourselves. And a man's positive polarity is his penis. So the desire to give love through sex is really strong in a man. And for that reason, that's Mm -hmm. where love wants to move out of his body. But men Mm -hmm. are so disconnected from their sexuality, from their penis, that there's there's no capacity to really cultivate that in a way, cultivate it with awareness. I can feel you're dying to speak, so I'm going to shut up. No. <laughs> no. <laughs> I, I feel like this is more your field, so I'll give it a step aside. <sighs> all, right, all right, Martina, so how does Tantra come into this space? Mm, I mean, there's, there's so much. Um, there's a part of me that feels cautious just in this moment because I'm aware that there's so much healing that needs to happen in relationships and between men and women. And, you know, Rod and I work with a lot of incredible people and see people making changes all the time. Mm -hmm. So part of what I'm cautious about is, you know, that it can sound a little bit like everyone's messed up sometimes when we have these conversations. Um, Just me. <laughs> no, we all, we all have challenges. That's yeah, all. Yeah, That's and I, I, I think it's really important to be aware that just starting to bring simple everyday awareness, breathing, feeling, presence, love, you know, feeling things in the body, um, being present in the body can start to shift the dynamic in the relationship. So, mm-hmm. you know, where Tantra comes in is the realisation that, yes, we're human, yes, we're spiritual, we are all of that. Mm-hmm. And for me, this journey is so much about, well, how do we relate to each other in a way that supports us to be fully who we are, mm-hmm. to not be restricted or contracted by these human bodies, but to be everything we know how to be, you know, to open up to our spiritual gifts, to open up to our human gifts and bring all of that together. So having the, the gifts that Tantra offers through breath, movement, um, meditation, you know, whatever practice people like to bring on board, some form of presence and flow in the body, presence for the masculine part, flow for the feminine part, being able to have those experiences internally, we can start to create the internal union for each man and woman to know their internal union of masculine and feminine Mm -hmm. because when we know that internal union, if I know my own capacity for direction, for presence, for strength, and I know my capacity for for love, for receptivity, for flow, then... That's masculine energy and feminine energy. Yes. If I have both the masculine and feminine capacities alive in me, then... 
I'm not so hungry and needy in my relationships, Mm -hmm. which means that then I can be more fully expressed in my relationships, but also me being more fully expressed is an invitation for, you know, for Rod, for my partner to be more fully expressed as well. So then we come into that place where there's this union internally for each individual, but then the deeper union in the relationship between people because we're being that more expressive, more expansion, expanded version of ourselves. I I was thinking um, when I saw your video um, about the, you know, the inner breath orgasmic uh, experience, Mm -hmm. um, I was thinking, okay, when, when you're in that space, you're totally just present with yourself. And so how does, how does that also translate into um, the bedroom with your partner? Because Mm -hmm. you're just present with yourself and yet you're also completely connected with them. Like how, how does that work? How does that work? Yeah. It works well. <laughs> well it's, I, I, because, I, because in a way it's sort of selfish, like because you're just so present in your own body and your own experience. But how do you also maintain your presence with and for your partner simultaneously? Or does yeah. it, or, or is it like you just have to take turns? <laughs> no, no, I mean, one, one of the fears that can come up. Uh, out of I, I mean, you get, you get what I'm saying, Rod, right? <laughs> I do, yes. I've, I've, I've heard, heard men in the past say, well, if a woman's fully orgasmic on her own, what's the point of a man? And for me, there's something, there's something that I can open to in myself, yes, that is beautiful and orgasmic and expansive. Uh-huh. Sharing that with a partner amplifies it because there's no, it's not just my energy, it's two energies. Right. So it's, there's even more energy available. And then actually probably one of the ways to, to illustrate it is to speak about what I see is that the common experience of sex is all about performance and pleasing. Right. So having sex in a, let's say, a conventional manner is all about what can I do for the other person to please them? How do I need to perform for them? Mm -hmm. And in that space, there's not much energy or sensation moving through the woman's body when she's like, what do I need to do to make him come? What do I need to do to make sure he has a good time? There's nothing in here in her body that's happening in her mind because she's trying to figure out how to give him the mind-blowing experience based on what she read in Cosmo last week or whatever the current thing is. Um, So performing and pleasing is a disconnected and detached experience. The place where a man experiences a lot of pleasure is via a woman's pleasure. So when a woman is truly embodied in her pleasure, 
Men love, 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 love that because. How, how many times was that again? Infinity. <laughs> <laughs> well, no, it's, it's, it's really funny that you say that, Rod, because I always say, you know, it, it was like, you know, two holes or two halves make a hole. You know, people like, oh, you complete me, right? Mm-hmm. And I say, no, two holes equal infinity. Because it's like you have this capacity for your own expansion and experience. And then your partner has their own capacity for their expansion and and experience. And that's why it's so important for both to meet together because it is more than just one plus one. It's like Mm -hmm. infinity. (laughs) Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. It is. It is. So when... When I'm connected to the pleasure and the orgasmic capacity of my body, I'm feeling myself and feeling Rod at the same time. You know, I can mm-hmm. be I can be aware of the sensitivities, the pleasure, the nuances that are moving in my body and be aware of what's happening in his body at the same time. So there's... Even there's, with your eyes closed, Martina? Yes, even with my eyes closed. I often feel more with my eyes closed. <laughs> That's probably actually true. Yeah. 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 <laughs> um, yeah, so it means that it's not about, like even if I'm giving pleasure to Rod, let's say if I'm giving oral sex to Rod, um, we've probably just upgraded this to a, you know, um, a warning for graphic content, <laughs> but if, if, if I'm if I'm giving I'm not demonstrating, no. <laughs> no subjects are taboo. But yeah, no demonstrations here, please. Thank you. <laughs> but it, I can be giving oral sex to Rod, which you know is an act of giving, and I can be receiving and experiencing huge pleasure and orgasmic capacity in my body at the Mm -hmm. same time. I can be feeling the sensations of his penis in my mouth. I can be feeling my my vagina, my breasts, my heart responding to that level of connection and intimacy between us. I'll also be aware of Rod's breath and the movements in his body. Like everything's tangling. So everything, it's like, hyper kind of on but uh-huh. not in a not in a detached hyper way but just a super aware uh-huh. everything's included kind of way really well, more conscious yeah more conscious yeah. way yeah. more conscious yes yes so it's it's not just about me it's not just about him I'm feeling all of that and from what I understand Rod has a similar experience of feeling himself, feeling me at the same time. Mm. Mm. Yes, Rod. Yes, Rod. <laughs> I'm just reflecting on Martina's share. <laughs> Quite deeply. We're all reflecting on Martina's share. <laughs> Let's reflect together. <laughs> um, I totally forgot what you asked me. I really was reflecting. It's <laughs> <laughs> um, about feeling, your feeling yourself and feeling me at the same time. Yeah, like for me, that's probably one of the most amazing sexual experiences I've had is to have that 
you know, my partner going down on me and orgasming at the same time. It's like, first it was confusing, but <laughs> it was also the most amazing experience I've ever had. Um, I think the more connected we are to the subtle sensitivities in our own body, the more we can feel all of them at the same time. Mm-hmm. So there's a sense of like being present in that moment includes my partner. But I've, what I, one of the things I've found is that, you know, my body can feel what's happening in her body. So her pleasure escalates my pleasure. When we, well, as I've become more sensitive in my body, sensitive to the physical sensations, the emotional sensations, that you know, the, sen- the sen- sensation of love moving through my body. It's like when we're making love, it's not really like two, it's two bodies, one practice. Does that right. make sense? Well, so it's, in it's that the moment, merging. It's the merging. Yeah. So in that merging, there's a merging. So there's a sense that I can feel what's happening in her body. I can feel what's happening in my body. So the the amount of love that's moving through both of us in that moment is magnified. So it's a, it's an amazing experience. I wish it for everybody. <laughs> yeah, me too. <laughs> but it's it's like there there isn't a separation of the two bodies. It's not like I'm just focused on my body and my breath and my pleasure. Like you know, when we're making love, I'll actually align my breath with Martina's breath. I'll actually look into her eyes, and yes, sometimes she does close her eyes, and it's beautiful to watch. So there's a sense of like the more pleasure she can show me that's moving through her body, the more pleasure I actually experience, Mm -hmm. the more love that I experience, so the more love that she can allow to move through her body, the more love that I'll experience. So, um and it's the same in reverse. The more pleasure that I can animate and show through my body, the the more pleasure Martina will actually experience if I just sit there still as a rock or lay there in this instance and just don't show any pleasure. There's a kind of sense of like, oh, am I doing it right? What's going on? What's happening? I can't feel him. He's just like it's. it becomes very performance orientated, but like, when I'm allowing what I'm feeling to be expressed and be shown and be felt, the more I feel it in my body and allow myself to feel it, give myself permission to feel that, the more she can feel that in my body. So then there's, that's where it becomes more about animating love that's mm-hmm. in the relationship than it does about performing some kind of sexual show or whatever. And is, and is that the ultimate freedom and connection? Both at the same time, I guess. Yeah. So yeah, yeah, mm-hmm. absolutely. Because that's where I—that's where I feel like all aspects of ourself, if we allow ourselves to be open and receptive, that that—that's the divine. Mm-hmm. Yeah, absolutely. right. That's the divine presence working through both of us to merge into mm-hmm. this beautiful expression of love. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Absolutely. And that's that's what it becomes when two people are offering love in the moment while making love rather than performing something they've seen or heard or trying to achieve some specific goal, especially like as a man. If like my goal is to make her orgasm, then 
my thoughts, my mind, my energy is directed there. If my goals make me orgasm, then my thought, my mind, everything's directed into that moment. But when my attention's not on those things, it's on how can we, you know, make love together and mm-hmm. magnify that. That's mm-hmm. when that starts to happen. Mm-hmm. I wish that for everybody. Yes. Mm-hmm. Truly. Yes. Because, because I don't think very many people know how to experience that, no, no. Which, is, which is why your work is so beautiful. Mm. And, and I do believe that if, if people knew how to make love with more awareness, more presence, more love, mm-hmm. there'd be less conflict in relationships. Yeah. I think that often, often underlying the conflict in relationships is this sense for a woman of not being satiated in the longing of her body, which is a has a sexual content to it as well. And mm-hmm. for a man, often underlying a man's discontent is that not being accepted sexually mm-hmm. and loved sexually. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah, because if our desire to give love does come through the penis, so when our love, when sex isn't wanted in a relationship, like my experience of that, which I don't have in this relationship, is that my love's not wanted. I'm not wanted. And mm-hmm. if so, if my sexual desire is discarded or made less than or, you know, then it feels like my, my love is discarded and made less than, but in with that, that I am and that I am therefore worthless and there's no value to me in the relationship. And so then why bother? Mm-hmm. Like as a man, it's like what's the, if there's no purpose, what's the point? Right. So a lot of that, yeah, maybe, gets cast aside. I, I feel like maybe if you, if the two of you talked about this aspect, like started with that, then all the other stuff, because people, who would, who would not say, oh my gosh, you know, I mean, who wouldn't say, oh my God, I want, I want that. I want more of that. How can I experience that? Because yeah. this is, you know, I feel like this is, this is our journey to, you know, to feel and be and experience as much love as possible mm-hmm. on this earth, you know, in this yeah. lifetime. I don't know about other lifetimes, yeah. but right now, right here and right now. Yes. So how can I learn to be present to all the potential and possibility within me, you know, mm-hmm. as I'm exploring all aspects of myself and exploring all aspects of my partner and being witness to both and sharing that both. Mm-hmm. So, so you do experience this beautiful free ultimate freedom to be mm-hmm. who you are and mm-hmm. ultimate connectivity to, to be merged and connected with your divine spirit and your heart and your soul and each other. Mm-hmm. I mean, what an amazing, amazing experience. Yes. Yeah. And that's the experience we offer people. That's the yeah. journey we take people on. And yeah, the the way to do that, to start that at home is be curious mm-hmm. and be generous with love. People are often really stingy with their love. It's like I'm gonna love when when right. I feel safe right. or when this person does this, or I'm gonna love when this person does that. Like fuck I'll that. give Just you love what you give back. Out. Right. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So love, don't be stingy with love love flat out 
give as much as you can, but to have the experience that you're talking about, we have to be willing to give that experience. Mm -hmm. And we will experience as much through our own giving as through receiving or getting back. Well, and I think, I think too, um, like you said, Martina is just, well, both of you said, not just giving, but being, being that love. Absolutely. Yeah. So, yeah. so is that your definition? Cause it's, it's about time for you to go, Martina. I know you have it someplace else to be. Yeah. Yes. <clears throat> so is that your definition of real love for the two of you? Oh, I feel like it's only like a part of it, but as an overall skimming of the surface. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Cause like so many of the things that we've spoken about, uh, a whole conversations within themselves. Yeah. So this really is just a, it's, we're not even really touching the surface yeah. of what this is about, but it's enough to give people an idea of like what it is that's available. What can some of the things that can be achieved? There's so much more and there's, yeah, there's so much more to it all, but it is also, as we said at the start, really simple. Yeah. <laughs> well, yeah. it's an, it's an exploration and an ongoing journey. It never stops. Yeah, no, absolutely. That's, that's both, there's a paradox in that. There's beauty in that and there's intense pain in that. So yeah. Yeah. It's a beautiful well, thing. I, I mean, <clears throat> just witnessing the two of you is like, I, I'm like, oh, there's hope for me. <laughs> I want, I want that. This is what I want in my next relationship. You know, you can create have, that. Yeah, yeah. It's creating it. It's being it. It's finding it within myself. You know, so yeah. that I can give it to somebody else and share it. Share it. You know, mm. have co-creation. And mm. um, the two of you have a beautiful co-creation, both in work, professionally and personally. I mean. Mm-hmm. The, the magic between the two of you it's just so beautiful for me to watch so I'm really honored and grateful that you shared this with me today thank you thank you thank, thank you, you Don for having us. yeah thank thanks for so having much. us thanks for the opportunity to share I would love to um, have many more of these conversations if you are willing because I I do feel like you know we're just talking about the certain it's not the surface because it's a lot of depth but you know there are so many yeah. subjects within each yes. subject so yeah, um, so thank you so much for being here and you're welcome i can't wait to have more of these please 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 yes <laughs> yes. Can do that. yes yeah for sure beautiful Thank you so much, Dawn. Yeah, yeah, thank you for the opportunity to share and the opportunity to, to have these conversations and to get them out there for people to hear, experience, witness. Yeah, so, beautiful. Yeah. yeah. So um, all of my listeners, I why don't you go ahead and, and say, Martina, again, where people can find the two of you? Sure. So you can find us at tantricblossoming.com. So it's T-A-N-T-R-I-C blossoming.com or rodgordon.com or martinahughes.com. And you're both on Facebook, so find you. And on their website, they have lots of blog articles. There are lots of workshops and seminars and coaching. I mean, you, you guys are doing it all. So I really honor you for your work and um, I know that you're changing a lot of lives and you will continue to do that. And you, you're totally an inspiration for me. So thank you. 
Thank you. Thank you. <laughs> Thanks, um, And so for all of, for all of my listeners, um, if you like what you heard, which I can't imagine anybody not, because this is mind blowing and, you know, uh, it's going to completely transform your life um, and your love and your relationships. So please subscribe to the wake up to real love podcast and share with your friends, um, give any feedback or recommendations or suggestions of what things that you would like, um, you know, what conversations you would like to have more of and um, to find me specialize in overcoming heartbreak and betrayal and creating more real love in your life. You can find me at uh, on Facebook and Instagram at the awakening with Dawn. Um, And as we've talked about and said numerous times, it all starts with you. The most important relationship you'll ever have is the one you have with yourself. Um, So thank you again. And everybody wake up to more real love. Take care, you guys. Thanks again, Martina and Rod. Thank you. Thank you. All right. See you next time. Bye, listeners. Thanks.